our series is called Make the Change, and I want to kick off our time together by reading a text that has been so valuable to me. In fact, if you were here in November, the first weekend of November, I did a video that kind of showed the history of how New Walk kind of birthed, and that video, uh, it contained me reading a scripture from Joshua chapter 1. Much of it I'm going to be reading to you today, uh, again, but for different purposes. This is certainly a motivational speech that God gives to Joshua, that Joshua is ultimately going to give to the Israelites as they get ready. Remember the moment in history that I'm about to read to you. Maybe you don't know the Bible yet. You're new to this thing. Here, here's where we are. The Israelites, they, they left Egypt. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. They leave Egypt. They move out, get lost kind of in the wilderness for about 40 years. Finally, they get everything moving in the right direction, and they're about to cross over the Jordan River. On the other side of the Jordan River contains what is known to them as the promised land, and they're going to set foot on that land that they've been awaiting to set foot on for so very long. Now, God comes to Joshua and begins to kind of, hey, charge him up. Here, here we go. We're getting ready. All right, Moses, who began this journey all that time ago from Egypt, Oh, now he's gone. He's passed away. Joshua, you are the guy to lead my people over the Jordan. And so here's what it says in Joshua 1 and verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll pause right there, that last line, I will never leave you or forsake you. Somebody needs to hear that right now because, hey, look, you might be trying to make some changes in 2024, and it, you might come up against some stuff, maybe some stuff that already existed before this year ever started, and you wonder, like, God, are you, are you with me? And the promise to Joshua is the promise that's available to you today, and God is with you. And I don't want you to forget that. As we move forward here in our time together, again, we're in this very inspirational kind of thing that God is revealing to Joshua about this promised land and what is next. And here's what it goes on. It says this, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. That's twice he said, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, a reminder of the importance of studying God's word. Meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. There's a reminder that you're going to need to be strong and courageous. Some of you have already figured this out, right? You, you've been on this journey, maybe at the beginning of the year, maybe for years, to experience the things of God. You want to experience the promises of God. Here's something important. Like, you better be strong and courageous because the change, the experiencing, the, the, the movement of God in your life, it's not one for wimpy people. 
And so you need God's power and strength to go on that journey. There will be tough times. And so the reminder here from God is like, hey, be, be strong. It goes on and says this. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you're going to cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord God is giving you for your own. This is packed. The text I just read you is packed with so much like make the change information. And I don't even have time to unpack all of it. But here's something that's important to remember about what's happening. Remember, this is the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God had a plan in which his people would inherit a land. They would go there, they would set foot on it, and they would claim it. And why did God offer that to the Israelites? So that they could have a big backyard with big swimming pools? No. So that they could shine for God, bring glory to God for the, all, all the entire earth to see. All right. God says, you want to experience my blessings? You want to experience my promise? Israelites, you need to go and claim the land. You need to set foot on the land. That's Old Testament. The New Testament is very different. What we get now in the New Testament, the New Covenant, is something that has radically been given for you and I, for all of humanity, to experience God. We no longer have to set foot on a physical land. You don't have to do that anymore. For you and I to encounter the promises and blessings of God, you, you don't need to go over to Israel. Here's what you can do. Right now, if you're a believer in Christ, you can experience the promises and blessings of God. You're, you're not a Jewish person. You can experience the promise and blessings of God right now where you are. That's the promise that's reserved for the believers. And so what I want to do is fast forward to New Testament because now because of what Jesus has done, it's available right now. I want to look at Paul reminding us of that in Ephesians 1. So we go from Joshua 1, Old Testament, Ephesians 1, New Testament. And here's Paul reminding you and I of the promise that's available right now. Here it is. Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. It is now found where? In who? In Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which has freely given us which he has freely given us in the one he loves he's given us in Jesus in him in Jesus we have found redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery he's made known to us the mystery of his will to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under, how is it happening? Through Christ. In him we were also chosen. And, and that's going to be an important part of my talk here today. We were chosen. Like, I, I don't know. It's always a struggle when they're making teams, and this is my team, and the captain, the other team, or their captain, this person's a captain, and they're picking players and pick this next, and you get the next pick, and you're the last one. 
It's kind of like, oh man, and they may, do they even want me? Here's what the scriptures say. In Christ, you know that you have been chosen. And you have a confidence in knowing, in knowing that. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. We come to know Christ and we're, we're, we're praising and worshiping him. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It happened when you what? When you believed that you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul says, hey, promises, blessings, prom all the things, it's, it's now available in Christ. If you go back to the text, there's so many things about Joshua and Jesus, and I don't have time to go into all of them. Something interesting in that moment where God is speaking to Joshua, he says, you guys are going to cross over the Jordan in how many days? He says, three days you're going to encounter the promises of God. Jesus Christ dies on the cross. How many days is he resurrected? How many days? Three days, and all of humanity can encounter the promises of God. God says, hey, it is available to you and I. I've got a promise. I've got an opportunity for you to take possession, to take hold of something. But if you want to experience those blessings of God, you choose them. You choose to walk in them. You choose to claim those blessings and journey with God to experience those blessings. The text from Paul says, right now, all the promises of the heavenly realms are opened up and available to us. Let's go back to Joshua 1 and verse 3. God says, I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 3, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms right now with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The promise here is like, hey, <laughs> You may not have the best home compared to somebody else. You may not have the best car compared to somebody else. You, you, you may not have all the other cool stuff compared to somebody else, but you've got something that is so much more. You have every access to every spiritual promise and blessing coming down from the heavenly realms, and you ought to want that. God says, yes, we don't have to miss that. We want to encounter change. We want to encounter growth. We want to experience more of God. We take these steps, hold on to these things, and keep moving ahead as we talked about in this series. I want to go through what I would consider four critical pieces of that journey because I feel like if you don't know these four, and I could give a bunch from the text, but if, if you don't know these four, I think they're foundational to your journey. Some of you are hitting some hiccups right now. Uh, some of you are trying to overcome something. Some of you are in the middle of a life mess with your marriage or your family or relationships, just life, finances. You want to be able to go through, kind of move to the other side. I believe these are going to be helpful to you along the way. We're going to claim, claiming this change for us. And, and, and the first change claim to hold on to, I put in your notes, is this, is that God, we remember that he's made a plan for me. And it's easy to gloss over this, but I'm literally going to spend more time on this than any of the other things I want to share with you today because I believe it to be so critical. It is understanding identity, that I was chosen, who I am in Christ, that that, that matters. In fact, when that is foundational to your life, it sets forward everything else 
into a different kind of motion for your life. Ephesians 1, 4, let's go back. For he chose us in him, in Christ, listen to this, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That in Christ, you and I, God had a plan that every one of us, that we have sinned, fallen short, made mistakes, that we don't have to cross over into eternity with that sin on us, which is really unhelpful. You're, you're separated from God at that moment. No, you want to cross over into eternity holy and blameless. How does that happen? You are presented before God as holy and blameless through Jesus. Not by your works, but by what Jesus did on the cross. But what it says is, before all the foundations and creation of the earth, God set this plan in motion and had a plan for you. And if that, as a believer, maybe as an unbeliever, but as a believer, if that don't blow your mind, like, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, you were chosen. You had a plan. He had a design. He had a purpose for you a long time ago. When I read this text, here's, and so much of the other text of the Bible, here's what I understand. God is working a script. And a lot of it, really, is, is right there when you study his word. The script has been set. Let's compare it to, say, Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood gets a script and everything goes and flows from the script. They're going to bring in their actors and their $20 million lead guy and all the other people that they're going to plug in along the way, all the actors and actresses. But what is all of those people going to do? They're going to follow the what? The, the script. The directors are going to get together and they're going to bring the actors together and they're going to say, this is how we're going to do it and these are the, this is kind of how it's going to happen. But at the end of the day, the directors are following the, the script. What God's revealed to you and I and humanity is like, I have a script, all right, but I'm plugging you in as a part of that plan and that purpose. I've chosen you to be a part of that plan, that design, that purpose. What is it? The greatest thing that God wants you to be a part of when you become, well, when you're born, is to be a part of his plan to redeem earth, to redeem humanity, to advance the kingdom of God on earth. And when that kingdom advances on earth, it becomes a, it grows in heaven. God says you become a believer in Christ. This is a part of our mission. This is a part of our purpose. This is a part of our identity. It is what we do in the script. Do the lead actors get thrown around a little bit? Are there explosions? Are there messy things? Are there relational struggles along the way? We know there are problems in life and we will go through hurts and pains and grief and that stuff is real. Fights, battles, struggles, those things are real. But the script says at the end of the day, we win. We win. At the end of the day, God says, I am claiming the victory. And so we're in a part of this journey along the way as God is revealing more and more to us, to you and I, to all of humanity about his plan. We plug into that, into that plan. What I'm talking to you about, though, ultimately, is knowing that you are chosen to be a part. That is a portrait of identification that I identify now in my life as in Christ. It is setting the foundation for everything in my life that is to come. I put this in my notes. It's in yours as well. When you know who you are, you will then know what to do. In Ephesians 1, we see we are chosen. We are adopted into the, into the family. That's a portrait of 
of identity. People come to a place in life where they say, I want to know what to do in life. So much of the answers of what to do in life is found in who I am, identity. Uh, young people, they, they're going to go off in life and they're going to they're gonna leave the home one day. And God said, I, I got a plan to help young people do better when they exit the home. And here's the plan. The, talked about this in this series. The mother is a strong spiritual woman. The father leads strong and spiritually as well. Uh, they model marriage. They model fathering and mothering. They do it well. They do it godly. And then when the child is ready to leave the home uh, at the right time, they exit the home and they're equipped with all of these ways of their life to move ahead. And we've talked about in this series that many people never got that. They didn't have that. And if you don't sink into God to discover that identity and what your parents may have been supposed to teach you but you didn't learn, you can start wandering really quickly in life. And what do we see today in our culture? Uh, look around, right? What, what do we see? An identityless younger generation. They, they do not know their identity, and they shift from here one day, and then they're over here the next. They don't understand who they are, and they can't action step forward in their life because they haven't found the primary thing that's critical for their life. What is their identity? And we've spent now decades in America shoving God in the corner in our schools, homes, business, government, and what has it created? Let's open our eyes real wide here. We don't need to check our brains at the door. It's obvious to us. We've had an identityless culture being raised up. And so what we know is this piece is critical to all the outcomes. Your kid leaves the home, they're going to go to college. I, they got some choices and decisions to make, but everything is much more foundational for their life and what's ahead when they know their identity. Maybe they're going to go to the military. Maybe they're going to go into something vocationally right out the door of high school. But that identity is what sets them to be able to encounter so much more of these promises and blessings. We're not left alone, though, if our families didn't teach us these things. God says, hey, I'm trying to still right now through the text that I read today to help you recognize who you, who you are. Outcomes of our identity is so obvious. Let's, let's talk about weddings and marriage. We've talked a little bit about that in, in this series. Spring is coming soon. Summer, weddings are coming. And there's a lot of work that goes into the wedding. Uh, there's a lot of planning there's a lot of money that's spent, and it can be a stressful day. It can be a special day. It's an exciting time when people get married. But here's the reality of marriage. The wedding day and night are the easiest parts of the marriage. It's the next 50 years <laughs> that the challenge comes. All right, now here's the thing. When two people say, I do, and they both have a strong identity in who they are in Christ, that has set a foundation for them to move forward for the things that are ahead of them in a much healthier way because the most critical aspects of their life have been settled. What does it look like when one person in the marriage or even both in the marriage are not settled on that identity? Well, chaos over time can ensue. And so that's why this is so, so important to our, own, to our own journey. You can have the most spectacular wedding ever, but if you don't know who you are in Christ, the activity that is to come be so, so much more problematic. And Jesus models this. Before Jesus began his ministry here on earth, 
he gets baptized in the Jordan River. And the father speaks after that time in that moment as he's coming up out of the water. He says, this is my what? My son who am I well pleased. What's happening in that moment, God is putting on identity and then the ministry begins. See, identity comes first, activity is second. This is critical because you're trying to move somewhere this year. You're trying to advance. You're trying to experience something. And so you want to make sure this part is, is settled as you move forward. Matthew 10, 39, Jesus goes on in his ministry and says this, whoever finds their life, the real life that God has to offer, is going to lose, lose it, their old way of living. And whoever is willing to lose their old way of living for my sake will actually find it, find life. It's this willingness to say, it's about what God is wanting to do in me. I put in your notes, this is the question, what is your will for me in my life? What a great question. Starts though, before that, who am I? Paul says this is critical to the blessings and promises that God wants us to experience. And, and I just put this little side note in my notes, it's in yours. Remember this, when purpose is not known, when plans are not known, when identity is not known, something begins to happen. Abuse is inevitable. What am I talking about? I'm talking about taking the things that God intended for you and your life to do instead of using those, being a part of the things of God with your life, you take the life that God has given you and you use it for the wrong things, unhealthy things, unhealthy choices, and, and unhealthy decision-making begins to ensue. And, and it's inevitable that you, when you don't know your identity, that these, uh, these choices will take hold and take root in, in your life. If I was to give you a flashlight, and you take the flashlight, and all you do is run around and shine it in people's eyes, what's going to happen? Well, somebody's going to come up and slap you and take the flashlight out of your hand, and they're going to say, hey, that is not what the flashlight was made for. It is made to just bring light into dark situations, but you are using it for all the wrong reasons, right? That's what I'm talking about here, right? If you have a child that takes a lid off of a bottle, a bottle cap, and takes that lid and puts it in their mouth and starts chewing it, what are you going to do as a good parent? You're going to run over there and take it right out of their mouth. You're going to tell them that's not what that lid's for. It's not to chew on. It's made to go as a cap on this, on this bottle. I, I'm sharing with you kind of basic, like, okay, we can all relate to that. I'm now talking about life in general. God's given you a life. He's given you talent, treasure. He's given you this life, air, oxygen, and your lungs to be used for him and that choosing in which he chose you for. It's like, it, it, it's like the topic of sex. And God made sex, by the way. It's a great reminder that we hit on some topics here. You may make sure your kids are in kids' ministry. But God made sex. He designed sex. He designed it to be very good. And he had a plan in which sex would be ultimate, would be the very best. And if you take that which God has created and designed and you use it for the wrong reason, when you abuse the gifts that he's given us, it is inevitable that hurt will begin to develop. What do we see in our culture today? Certainly sexual abuse, disease, brokenness, unwanted children, abortion, marriages that end, families that break apart because we're abusing that which God gave us for another intention. We've got to remind ourselves that it all starts understanding I've been chosen by him. I'm a part of his plan. And so I'm going to move forward in my life 
with that in mind. It guides our activity, our decision making. Here's the next thing in your notes. When things fall apart, God has a plan to put it all back together. And I wanted to give you this. It's, it's a rich part of the text that we read from Paul in Ephesians. And it's important because we get on journeys in our life and we want to experience more of God or we want to experience change. And then inevitably something happens where we, we made a bad choice. We made a bad decision. And we start to kind of go back to maybe our own ways and we wall our back in our sin again. And, and I've watched over the years as people set forward for something new. And they're on a good track, and then all of a sudden, they kind of screw it up a little bit. And they make that mistake. And they sink back. They can't advance. They go, okay, I'm going to wall her back in kind of my old way of living. And you may be, some of you, at the point right now where this is becoming very real. You were moving forward. Some chaos has ensued. And so I wanted to address that. In Ephesians 1 and verse 7, let's go back. It says this, in him... We have redemption through his blood. Right now, those of us who are believers, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Before my life ever got messy, God had a plan of forgiveness for me. And in all of my mistakes, before I became a believer and after I became a believer, God says, I'm reminding you here, Paul, is that you have been forgiven, so don't be stuck in kind of the the mistakes that are happening right now in your life. Uh, You're not Jesus, and I'm not Jesus. That means we're going to make those mistakes. We're imperfect. God says, I got a plan for that when you fall and when you stumble. He made known to us also the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. God says, I got a plan to help you move ahead personally. I got a plan that I'm working. Uh, I talked about a script running behind the scenes. When you see all the chaos going on around you, just know I'm working a plan. I'm working a script. I'm working on a plan, God says, to redeem all of humanity. It may not look good right now, and I have times in my life where you know, I'm like, you're doing this church and trying to make a difference in my community. And yet at times I look around and I go, what is happening? Like, what are the people doing in our community? And it feels like we've made such a very small dent at times. And it can be frustrating, right? You're trying to experience change in your life, change around you. And you look around and you're like, what is happening around us? There's so much chaos going on. And you want to see your school be different for God. But You start talking about Jesus at your school and it feels like the majority of the voices say, shut up. And you go to work and you want to make a difference at work and you want to to see God's plan move forward at your job site and you talk about Jesus and they tell you to sit down and be quiet. And you want our government to embrace more things of the things of God and you look and it feels like they're going in the opposite direction and the way they operate and they're decisions and it can be deeply frustrating and Paul is reminding you and I like hey we we can do our part don't forget though in times of chaos and frustration he still has a plan for full redemption and so what do I do with that I go to school I walk in I say I'm claiming this for Jesus but I'm going to do my part and I can't maybe affect everybody at school but I can affect one person or two people around me 
and make a difference. And you go into your work and you want, you step foot and they, you know, they say, oh, you need to be quiet. You say, no, I'm not going to. I'm claiming this for Jesus. And you know what I'm going to do? I can't maybe affect everybody at my job, but I can affect one or two people. And, and you look at government and you say, what's going on with government? And God says, oh, don't you worry about that. I got the government on my shoulders. I got a plan for all of that as well. And so we begin to trust that in the midst of the chaos, the plan is still moving ahead. And the Bible says at the end of the day, check it out. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I have to trust this process of his redemptive plan. I put this, though, in your notes. Too many Christians are embracing something called microwave Christianity. What, what is microwave Christianity? It's this, I came to church two, three weeks, do, 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 start, cook, done. And, and then what happens is uh, when a little chaos does ensue in my life or around me, mistakes, choice things happening to me, I, I just give up or it didn't happen the way that I wanted and I thought it would be a quick fix. And really, we get this reminder throughout the scriptures that, hey, this ain't, this, this, this ain't going to be, be easy. Like there's going to be a journey and it's going to be in year two and year six and year 20 and year 50. Like you are on a journey with God as a part of the plan that he's working in and through you. We're trusting that journey with him and it is a long played out journey in my life on this side of eternity. Here's the third thing I put in your notes. I want to claim the change that God wants to do in me by discovering his power. If I really want to experience change, I'm going to need to go past the moment of just the forgiveness of my sin and the Bible says, then comes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to have to move past that moment where it all began and start digging more deeply into that thing which Paul says, and the scriptures consistently remind us, is in us once we become a believer. The Bible says the Holy Spirit of God takes residence in us, right? Uh, we don't have to go to a place to experience the, 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 the goodness of God. It's, it's indwelling in, inside of us. It goes on in the scriptures, it says in Ephesians 1, 11, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, you began that relationship, the gospel of your salvation began. But when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised, here it is, here's something that now takes residence in you, it's called the what? The Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It's saying like that spirit indwells in you and it is what is going to carry you to you receive your final inheritance in eternity. And that power and that strength is going to be critical for you to discover along the way. And again, too many Christians are missing this aspect and power on the journey that is available to them. Look, it's easy. And I've missed it at moments in my life. First of all, let's go back to the natural to make a point in the supernatural. 
about a year or so ago, I got a newer iPhone, and I, the previous one I had was several years older. And so now I have this new iPhone, and, you know, the biggest thing I want, because I got things to do, is just transfer all that stuff, you know? And so I do the thing, do the transfer, get it done. But as I am about the business of my life, I'm starting to hear people say, hey, have you seen all the and cool things the phone does now? And people are telling me, hey, look at this. And this, this. I'm like, wow, that, you know, that's pretty cool. I thought I knew my phone, but now I'm finding out a little bit more about it. And then somebody else comes along and, uh, you know, somebody else comes along and says, what about this? Or my kids say, hey, dad, did you know this? And then maybe I watch a YouTube video and I'm learning a little bit more. And all along the way, I'm discovering all these other amazing things about the power of my phone. The same thing works out sometimes in our spiritual journey. We begin to more closely dig into all the power that God has for us as a believer. And sometimes we don't even realize what God is capable of along the way. And, and I didn't even. And I started discovering that power in little incremental steps. I remember when I became a believer in Christ, they started saying, hey, we see you as somebody that could kind of be more in ministry. And so I was like, that seems a little crazy, but I started seeking the power of God and I started getting involved in ministry. And then they said, we think you should be maybe somebody who, who is a pastor. And so I went through this ordination process and I was like, at the beginning I was going, God, this doesn't seem possible, but his power and strength carried me over to what was next. And then I can remember thinking, okay, I'm here. And then somebody said, I think you should plant a church. And I thought, that's crazy. I could never do that. But yet I sunk more into God's power and he carried me to starting a church. And then I thought, well, when the church starts, we'll probably have 50 or 100 people and that'll be kind of easy to start with, to work with. And God says, no, on your first weekend, here's 300. And I'm going, holy smokes, what am I gonna do with these people? And God says, I'm gonna give you more power and more strength. And as the church has grown along the way, I've had to depend on that power. I've needed that power for personal moments, decisions, times where I was exhausted in my flesh, but God carried me through. Remember Joshua. They're going to go claim this land, and there's other texts that remind them there's going to be giants in the land. But how are you going to overcome those giants, Joshua? My power. Fast forward to the New Testament. God's power is in us now to carry us through everything in our life. Are you seeking him in your next, digging into his power for your life? For some of you, your next is, is, was my next at one time. It was like, I don't even go to church regularly because I'm tired of all these other things. God, I, I need some power to wake myself up to get to church regularly. God help me, strengthen me to just get to church. For others of you, you know what? You don't have time in your day. You're exhausted to read your Bible. God, give me power to slap me upside the head. Give me power to strengthen me so I could study my Bible or prayer, more prayer time, or, or maybe it's, it's, it's to take a step into serving. I'm too tired to serve, too busy. God, give me the power to serve and give me a little more strength to make a difference in, in my community. God, maybe, uh, God, you, I'm involved in some things, but I need to take a next step in leading or in being more involved in ministry. Maybe it's, again, some of the things that you've been saying in this series as we've been saying, what is your next step? What are you trying to change in 2024? God, give me access. Well, I already have that access to that power that, God, you are trying to reveal for me in my life. Here's the last thing I put in your notes. The last change that you want to claim or claim for your change is this. Before I can possess what he has for me, 
I, you and I, I've got to let him take possession of me. My first three things that I shared with you are critical for the Christian on their journey. None of them are available to you if you have not allowed God to take ownership of you. For some of you in an audience this big, this is your first step because it is what opens the gates, the floodgates of what God wants to reveal for you in your own life. And if you had been raised by a strong spiritual mother or spiritual father, they would have talked to you about the importance of your identity and allowing God to take ownership of your, your life. Now, if we go back to Joshua, here's what it says in Joshua 1.11. Go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Because three days from now, you're going to cross the Jordan here and you're going to go in take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving for you to own. In the Old Testament, how did you get God's promises? You went and claimed them in the land. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 1.13. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, which is a deposit that guarantees our inheritance until the redemption of those who are, here's what it says, who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Old Testament, you went and claimed the land for the blessing. In the New Testament, you let God claim you. You say, God, take ownership, take possession of me. And some of you have never signed the deal to let God take ownership of you. And for some of you, that's the first step. And I, and I can assure you, identity will be chaotic. And, and I can assure you that as chaos around you ensues, uh, with, without God, the, these things become messier and messier. And you don't have access to the power of God. But when you decide to join the family of God in just a little bit, we're doing baptisms here. What are these people saying down front? They're saying, my old life has been buried. I've been raised a new life. In Jesus Christ, God has taken possession of me and my life. I have made that decision to be a part of his family, and I'm a part of the family of God. That's what they're sharing. And you can make the decision today to say that, hey, I want God to take ownership of me. How do you do that? You make the decision to say, uh, God, I know I've done it my own way and I've kind of been taking the wheel of my own life and I've been large and in charge and along the way, I've abused some things. My life, through my choices, decisions, maybe hurt people around me, I've sinned, I've chosen my own way in life, but God, I want to receive the forgiveness of your sin through the gift of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, what Paul is talking about. I want to be redeemed in this life. I don't want to waste another day not knowing what it is you have for me and who I am. And so God, God, forgive me. And why is that forgiveness important? Because you can't forgive yourself. Only God can offer forgiveness, and he gave it through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that for all who are forgiven, they have a relationship with God. But if you are unforgiven, you do not have a relationship with God. And you can begin that journey today. Say, God, I receive that forgiveness through the gift of Jesus. He takes ownership of my life. God, I am ready today to begin that journey. Let's pray together. God, we have so much we want to accomplish, all born out of identity, all born out of, of God, the, your redeeming plan for our lives in the midst of chaos, all born out 
the power that you have for us. God, we don't have to journey so far away to claim what you have for us. It is right here. It is right now. It is available to everyone in this room, starting with those who are ready to take possession of the land and if, or to, take possess, to let God take possession of his claim on your life. If that is you here today and you say, God, I am ready for you to take claim, to take ownership of me, uh, you can just write where you're at, just surrender, just in your heart. You're saying, God, forgive me of my sin. God, wash me new. I've done it my own way. I'm ready to follow you now on this journey. God, I accept what Jesus did for me. God, I am ready to learn more, to discover more, to experience more. But today, it starts by receiving your forgiveness. God, I invite you in. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.